Underwriting for AutoLine this week is provided by... We are IAC Group, a global tier one supplier of vehicle interior solutions that span the rapid, ever-changing needs of today's industry. From interior design and engineering to manufacturing and delivery, IAC, our heritage, your advantage. From the Auto Line Studios, here is your host, John McElroy. Thanks for joining us on AutoLine this week. We're going to be talking all about automotive interior design, what the latest trends are and the latest materials. And I got a great panel. Joining me today are Jerry Winslow from the supplier company Inficam. We have Fiona Daskus from another supplier called Beneke Calico. And we've got Klaus Busse, the head of interior design for the entire Chrysler Group involving all their brands. And I want to thank you all for having joined us here today. Pleasure thank to be you. here, John. Klaus, Great. let me start with you. Uh, I'm very interested in what's happening in interior design now, especially with the American car companies, but Chrysler in particular. A few years ago, back before the bankruptcy, seems to me that Chrysler cut a lot of corners in interior design. It was a way to, to take cost out as the company had its hair on fire trying to get cost down. But that seems to be behind us now. It really seems the company's putting a lot more emphasis on interior design. That is totally true, John. Um, we got some help from the outside. Um, our customers, first of all, uh, people like you, the media. And it was an embarrassing moment uh, for us. And I'm talking about 2006, 2007 here, when, when some of this unfortunate product hit the road and, and we clearly got the message, no, that's not what we want. And um, we took that to heart, and we really totally revamped not only the process, how much money we spent, who is doing the interior design, the fact that we now have an interior design organization before it was part of the exterior studio. So a lot of things had to be done, had to be changed, and now I think we have the results, and I think hopefully you agree that the results are great. Fiona, you're with a supplier who mm -hmm. supplies to these car companies. Is that the way that you see it? Absolutely. And I think something that's interesting to kind of feed off what Klaus is saying is taking the interior down to the next level of looking at haptics and how the material is actually touched. Explain that. Haptics. haptics. What do you mean? Some haptics. people don't know that okay, word. Okay. There's two ways of explaining haptic. It's actually the friction. So when you drag your finger across it and also the deflection. So, for example, you might want to have a beautiful material, but it's got to feel luxurious. It's got to have a grain that goes across the contour and it feels and looks luxurious. So we need to complement the contours that are being created. You, you make a good point there because uh, it is important for us to design shapes in a way that they feel pleasant to the touch. The material mm -hmm. is one thing, but also the pure sculpture of it. In the past, we, we designed some boxes that were done in unfortunate materials, so everything felt wrong. It looked wrong, it felt wrong. Now, not only do we have wonderful materials, you know, courtesy of some of the great suppliers we work with, but also courtesy of the sculpture, of the design, the design is put onto the shape itself. Jerry, one of the trends that we see in the auto industry is the greening of the auto industry, if you will. Yes. Hybrids, electric cars, alternative fueled vehicles. But my understanding is you're greening the interior of vehicles. Explain what that's about. That's it. We uh, at Infrachem are the first company in the world to commercialize a process to provide a basic building block for polyurethane foam known as polyol. And we are manufacturing polyol in our facilities in Sterling Heights, Michigan, first in the world to use scrap post-industrial polyurethane foam that's available on the market. And, and where do you get that post-industrial foam? That's an excellent question. Worldwide, there is over 3 billion pounds of scrap polyurethane foam that goes to landfill throughout the world. In North America, 
uh, it is close to one billion pounds. So a lot of our, our customers, our tier one suppliers, during the manufacturing process has this waste polyurethane foam. Whether it's seat motors molding seats, as we're doing for Chrysler, whether it's uh, headliners or other interior trim. So we get that post-industrial foam right from their molding facility. It goes back to us. We use that as feedstock to make a new polyol. And our feedstock is polyurethane foam. And that's an alternative versus using a basic byproduct of crude oil or a soy uh, type of polyol. So we're not using material uh, that uses uh, land to produce. We actually take scrap and make it into a product. And what kind of products do you make out of that? Well, we make various uh, grades of polyol to meet the customer specifications, such as if we are looking at seat construction, polyurethane foam seats that everyone sits on when they drive an automobile, all seats worldwide basically has polyurethane cushions. We provide a polyol for seat cushions. We provide polyols for other interior trim, such as soft touch materials and instrument panels, door trim panels. Uh, so uh, there, there's, uh, there's a variety of products that you can make this. Absolutely. Use absolutely. this to make product. Klaus, is that important to have green interiors, as it were? Yes. As we go forward, that is going to be one of the key enablers for us to be successful in the marketplace, no doubt. Just like fuel consumption, just like um, everything we do, recycling, uh, green interiors are going to be important. We look at two different ways to achieve that, though. One thing is what you're referring to is using recycled material and put into the vehicle. The other way is to put materials into the vehicle and then recycle the vehicle. Both of it have still struggles. We're still not where we want to be as an industry. Recyclable or recycled materials are still usually more expensive than putting non-recycled materials in the vehicle, which is frustrating for us. And an innovation like from your company are helping us to crack that code. And the other part is recycling the vehicle needs a network, needs a system that, that helps actually facilitating that. So those are the two key enablers we're working on, but I totally agree this is very important. And what about the cost? I mean, I would imagine if you're using scrap as your raw material, that's got to help from a cost standpoint. Yes, we uh, are very, very competitive in our pricing, and in most cases, below pricing of virgin polyols. And I'd like to mention one thing. Even though our material is called a recycled polyol, it's really a brand new chemical. We can validate the recycled content in it. Depending upon the formulation, we could have a recycled content up to 70%, or depending if it's on the lower end, we would have a recycled content of 40%. But either way, our chemical is a brand new chemical, but we call it recycled polyol. But it's really a renewable polyol. Uh -huh. Fiona, you see this greening of the interior as a, as a big trend as much as these guys oh, do? As, as much as these do, and I'm even going to feed off a little bit more, you've got like the environment. We actually focus in on the people, the climate, and the environment. So we actually have a family of products called a Cellar Echo. It can be used on the seating. We have others that can be used in different areas. Within that, you can have a allergen-free product, so that's healthier for the human being. And then the other side of it is using over 50% regenerative materials. Mm -hmm. So from that point of view, where we've got low CO2s, actually to make the product, besides getting it to the vehicle and putting it on the car, and then also from the end consumer, they can actually get a benefit as well. So it's the whole stream of green. Yeah. 
So Soy is another uh, material that's been talked about a lot. I, I, it, it almost seems to me we're getting to the point where we can eat these interiors at their end of life. <laughs> yeah. but, it's, it's, um, but you bring up a good point. Being able to eat it, we won't do. But it's using natural material, something the customer can connect to. Uh, yes, recycling the uh, chemical part of the vehicle uh, is important, but also to give the customer the impression I'm using something that's closer to nature than, than closer to oil. Okay. And that's very important. And, and if you see in how in mature countries, including the U.S. and in states like maybe California, the sh there's a shift on how people present um, status. Uh, in the past, that could have been the V8. Uh, in, in more recent years, we see you know, movie stars coming to the Oscars in hybrid, right? So there's, there's the need for green to be representative and to show your status. You're doing something good for the planet versus only you know, good for the acceleration on the road. So it's, it's important in all aspects. What about other uh, natural materials? I, I've seen in concept cars, for example, bamboo seems to be yeah. something that's showing up a lot. What, what other materials are out there? Well, certainly, it's, uh, we're talking about two different sets of material. One of the materials the customer will not interact with, you know, the structures, um, you know, magnesium, aluminum, um, the chemicals you're referring to. And then, of course, the seed materials, uh, the fabric we're using. Is there something beyond leather? I mean, leather in itself is a natural material, but it goes to, through a pretty, cool, pretty chemical process to get to the state we enjoy it at. The smell actually is, is, is a chemical it's smell. It's chemical right? smell. <laughs> but there is a lot of opportunity, and we're working with, with suppliers who are not only giving us a natural material, but the process to create it uh, of not form. using mm -hmm. chemicals and, and using a plant that maybe uses solar energy and not nuclear power, for example. Okay? So there's a lot of angles we can attack. But sure, bamboo is an, uh, is an area and, and uh, seed materials, etc. Fiona, what other materials do you see that to the customer appear natural? I think there's got to be a connection like Klaus was talking about. What is the connection? Um, bamboo's one, there's soy, there's some many different products. I think it depends on where it's going to be used. I think from, from our product, like the Seller Echo, is the end consumer. Do they understand what that means to them? It's like, okay, we use bamboo, but does that mean we have to grow more bamboo to then use it? So I think it's a matter of where and how. We also look at proximity, like if we can reduce the CO2s to get the material to the actual customer. Is that a good thing? So the end consumer can kind of correlate with that. So there's got to be a, what does that customer see as green? How do they get it as green? Does it just have a swing tag or does it have a story? And I yeah. think we're talking about the story. The story is can very important. Can they connect to the story? story and do they feel like they're doing something <laughs> as part of that global responsibility? And then and you feel like you are helping even if it's a small yeah. amount. And when you talk about the story, for, for us the interesting thing is, if, if I get back, get back to leather, we're very proud of using most of our leather from, from the U.S., and it's part of who we are. We are an American company. We want to use American materials. So it helps us telling that story, but it also helps us reducing CO2 because guess what? It takes less CO2 to get the leather from Texas than it takes to get the leather from, let's say, South America. Okay? Mm -hmm. So there are two stories we can combine here. Right. Jerry, uh, oh, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, make a point. One thing yeah. here is uh, when we talk about uh, soy or soy uh, polyol or soy polyurethane foam, we can process that material too. So when we look at post-consumer, if a customer is using soy-created foam, we can process that soy-created foam right back into our process. We can also add our own natural oils to it. So we end up producing a product that is recycled. It may contain soy. It may contain other natural oils. So uh, we have a variety 
a portfolio on our products to meet our customers' requirements or what the OEM wants. And, and how does yeah. it smell? Because I thought Klaus raised a really good issue. You know, people get in a car and they love that new car smell. Well, yeah. as we all know, it's, you know, plastics off-gassing, it's other adhesives and paints and whatnot. So how's your, your recycled polyurethane we, smell? Uh, obviously, we meet our customer specifications. In the case of Chrysler, Chrysler has uh, engineering standards relative to polyurethane foam, whether it's used in seats, whether it's used in headliners or in head restraints. And uh, the items on uh, older uh, or smell are defined in the specifications, and we meet those specifications. There's no problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you agree, don't you, Fiona? The interior smell is, I think, very important to the whole ownership experience. It is, but it also depends on culture. If you go into some of the cultures, if you have that smell, they deem it as being a negative. So you have to be careful of yes. which culture, which country, do they want the smell? Great, we'll give it to you kind of thing. On other areas, you have to remove it. So the, like the low emission, the low VOCs is definitely, I think, going to become a trend. And I also think that the longer, younger generation will have a different expectation of what their vehicle is. Does it need the smell? Does it need to have all these things? Because they might be checking off the green list and saying, hey, we need these first and these other things will come second. You know, that's a great point because I know uh, when Lexus first started to develop its cars, it found that Americans like leather interiors that smell like baseball gloves. <laughs> and Japanese yeah. like leather yeah. that, honest to goodness, yeah. actually smells more like fish. And that's a, a cultural difference that they found. Very so you, you're very right. But what about what Fiona's saying, a younger generation? Do you see that their expectations are changing of what they want in an interior? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you see it everywhere where you go these days, uh, the shift in uh, do they want a car at all? So, um, but when we deal with, with what the millennials or the young customers want, it's not so much the smell we're discussing, it's mostly technology. And I think uh, a car that we recently launched, the Dodge Dart, is, is head-on attacking that, that expectation that these, this generation of customers have um, by putting in the right technology, uh, getting the car connected in a responsible way. We all know about distracted driving, but getting connected in a responsible way with a proven system that we just recently won a award on uh, with the 300 being the, most, the best connected car on the planet. So we put that same system in the Dart, combined it with good fuel com uh, efficiency, and I think that's what our customers are expecting. The smell, sure, but mostly the technology. Fiona, when I talk to people in the industry, what, one of the issues that's really coming up now is weight reduction. Right. We all know that you can make hybrids or electrics or alternative fuel, this or that, but that costs a lot. Another way is to reduce the weight. What kind of pressure are automakers putting on suppliers like you guys in terms of weight reduction? I think it's across the board because first you've got to have the shape and then you've got to start looking at how is that product made. And then if you're moving from different skin stocks, they all have different attributes. So one, we have to do the design for the surface, make sure it's good. We have to have the functional element and then the actual lightweight itself. We have products like TPO that is lighter than a, a normal skin stock. You can recycle it, which is a very good thing, so you can redo that. We also have a PVC with spacer product. It's called a Cellar Lux. Actually, it's in the Chrysler 300 right now on the cluster hood. We have a Yawn Light that has a lighter foam product. It's a PVC. So there's many areas we can reduce weight, even up to like 10%, which I know sounds small in a skin stock, but you start adding them up across all the areas and then eventually because the cars are getting bigger, almost they're bigger but more complex, but we still have to reduce the tiny little amounts of weight. So, 
Actually, 10% sounds pretty good to me because when I was talking with some of the engineers at Mazda recently, they say every gram mm-hmm. counts. Every gram. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you're getting a few grams along the way. You try. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, same thing. Uh, can, is there a weight reduction part of your story? Well, I think the weight reduction comes in the fact that there's an increased use of polyurethane foam in automobiles. So if you track the mass calculations of vehicle weights, what it was 10 years ago and what they're using in 2012, you'll find out the percentage has increased in the use of polyurethane foam. And foam is lighter than the other materials foam they would have is, used? Foam is uh, very, very... There's uh, a lot of air in foam, uh, right? <laughs> depending upon the, the formulation, the cell structure of the material, you can make it lighter. Mm-hmm. But it is a, a lightweight material, and that's why it's such, in such increased demand. Klaus, even though you're now spending more money on your interiors than you may have, I've got to believe cost reduction is still one of the critical goals to achieve. Cost awareness, not reduction, cost awareness. What do you mean? What's the difference? Being clever with the money that you've been given. Um, We have now a trust within the company. They now know what the interior design organization with the engineering organization can achieve with a certain budget. But we're very clever with how we use that money. Um, where we spend it, where the customer will recognize it, where it's a waste of money. And then even in certain areas, we're just clever with a design execution that is for free. Uh, Plastic uh, is giving us great opportunities in the lower areas where you don't touch it, but you can mold it in any shape. You can do some really clever things with it without really adding cost. Okay, so being being clever with how you spend your money is really uh, the more important part than how much money you have to begin with. But I'm sure, Fiona, when your purchasing people are uh, negotiating with uh, the purchasing people at the car companies, they're pounding the table for cost reduction. That's always part of it, but it's going back to a little bit what Klaus is talking about. He's getting the value. You have to have the perceived value. You have to see it. You have to touch it. You have to feel it. Getting the colors to pop, you know, so it complements the shape and getting the haptics. So, for example... If you put a PU coating on a PVC, it might feel luxurious, but you've given a cost reduction maybe on a lower end vehicle. So there's a trade-off between not cheapening it out visually, making it look to the high level that you want, but then you're taking money away in certain areas. So we've got like a whole range of products that then can fit depending on where the application is. But I, let me give you a great example about finishes and being clever with money, actually saving money. Um, you know, you, you're aware of Piano Black as one of the you know, hottest finishes over the last years in a, in a vehicle. Well, we realized that you can take a part out of a tool, out of its maiden tool, and if you treat the tool correctly, the appearance of the part is just like Piano Black. And you don't have to paint it. You don't have to put chemicals onto it. You don't have to put weight on it of the paint, and you save the cost, but you get the same appearance. Now, that is what I mean with being clever, and that is what I mean by still giving the customer what he expects to do, but without putting the burden on it. And Fiona, I was intrigued by what you said of just how you grain or shape something mm-hmm. can also change the appearance on the customer's part as to whether it's cheap or or good. What are some of the secrets of getting that right? Well, something that we have at Benneke Calagos, we have our own grain technology, and it's a laser-based technology, so it's all about the optics. For example, your suit, if you had just a, a standard suit and then you had something that had an interesting weave, it will look more interesting. So what we do is we take the material and take then grains that have intricate features that may look like leather, not necessarily that we want to replicate leather. We can make a plastic appearance look luxurious. It could have an optical effect. It could have a three-dimensional. We can do holographic effects going around surfaces. So all of a sudden you're catching the customer's eye through grain and color and, and then the haptics. Well, what do you mean holographic effect? 
Oh, we got some exciting stuff. So just imagine if you had going around a surface, in one direction it was a geometric, in another direction it was an organic, so a leather. So you can actually then take that basic form in the, in the expected way you would have a leather, it would have a leather grain, or a plastic would have a geometric grain. Now we can kind of juxtapose the two together, put a metallic effect, then all of a sudden you've got something that's unexpected. And it'll kind of give people a bit of excitement. Is that out yet or is it coming? Well, we have lots of things coming. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask otherwise, could I go look and see this in a car yet? Uh, right now, not yet. Okay. Oh, very it's, interesting. But it's definitely a, uh, an intriguing and fascinating area where we can go with materials and finishes yeah. because we're very used to large cars here. We're very used to simulating leather, either with real leather or with, you know, uh, plastic or skins, faking leather. But now that the whole market is going to smaller segment cars, going to the young customers, they're not necessarily expecting a fake leather, they're expecting something fresh, mm -hmm. right? And that's, you know, uh, some of these proposals that come from the suppliers are very, very cool and you'll see some really fresh stuff there. Jerry, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier that you're using post-industrial components or material to make yes. your, your new thing. What about uh, at the end of its life cycle? Can it easily be recycled? A absolutely. Uh, we have looked into and have processed what we call end-of-life seating foam. Uh, in North America, we dispose of approximately, approximately almost an even number of new cars manufactured are deregistered. But typically, we dispose of about 15 million cars per year. That equates to over 400 million pounds of seat foam. That's that just goes, going to landfill. goes to landfill. So we, we have been working with one of the largest uh, uh, automotive dismantlers, and uh, they are, have done experiments for us where they'll pull the seat cushions out before the cars go through the metal recycling process where the cars basically get ground down and they extract the uh, ferrous and non-ferrous metals uh, for going back into making new steel and new aluminum. So we look at that as a very good segment for future business. Is it cost effective yet though? Because I gotta believe now you're adding a lot of labor to pull Th that. That's what over. we're working out, the details to uh, uh, make it cost effective. But right now they're not getting any money for that foam that goes to landfill. And of course there's landfill disposal costs by the metal recyclers. And, it, and those landfill costs are steadily increasing. Of course if we talk Europe, the landfill costs are extremely high in Europe. Uh, so uh, we, we look at that as a real good growth segment in our business. See, I love hearing about this because, you know, it's one thing to talk about cradle-to-grave use of materials. Mm -hmm. yes. We really need to switch that to cradle-to-cradle -cradle <laughs> use of materials. That's right. when you get to true sustainability. Absolutely. No question on that. Klaus, some of the other things that we see going on in cars is everybody seems to love this uh, carbon fiber look, <laughs> both on the outside and on the inside yeah, of yeah. the car. Uh, I'm sure you can get weight reduction, but what about some of these other issues with recycling? Is, is that an issue? Carbon fiber for us uh, has its application in the right place. Uh, for our SRT brand, the street racing technology brand, certainly we'll use it there. But that's the only use. We walked away from using it um, just for decoration purposes. Uh, the, the Viper that we recently launched in, in New York will come with an available carbon uh, package. And, and to your point, that is a car where you're looking at weight reduction. But you're going to see us walking away from, from a material like carbon fiber for, for all the reasons we brought up. And there are some much more intriguing finishes out there that they will also represent racing, sport, without necessarily using carbon fiber as decoration. We use it where it saves weight. 
Fiona, we're getting down towards the end here, but uh, lighting, interior lighting, mm -hmm. can really change the appearance and the ambiance of the interior of a car. Are, are you weaving lighting into these different things that you're doing as well? Not yet. It's something we've explored, but it's more from the point of view of how we get the reflection of the light. So if they've got lighting in the interior, well, how does that go across the surface? So like I was saying about the holographics, if the lighting can reflect on something, how can we get that contour to be enhanced, you know, by the grain or the color? So it's, it's less part of our product, but... Uh, you never know. I can't wait up. to see this holographic uh, technology. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but uh, don't you agree, Klaus, oh, the light, that the lighting is important. The lighting is important. The dart, again, car that we recently launched, we call it the floating island bezel. It's a mouthful, but it's basically the, the area that you have as a driver in front of you combining the two screens into one shape. It has a nice LED glow around it in the, in the typical Dodge red. So that's something you can dim it down if you're offended by it. But it's a very, very cool feature that we sure will attract the customer. And I see other automakers, too, emphasizing styling lines within the interior yes. with LED lighting, even lighting up the door handles Absolutely. and things like that. And you're mixing two things. One is convenience and, and one is, is just for um, ambience. To, 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 it's nice to find the door handle at night, isn't it? So, I mean, that is, that is more like a logical next step. Um, but what we did with the Dart, and you'll see others doing, and us doing also going forward, you know, highlighting uh, night lines. Because the car has alter egos. You have a daytime appearance and you have a nighttime appearance, just like as you have as a, as a human being. You go cruising at the beach at daytime, you might go clubbing at nighttime. So the light helps us showing the two characters of the car. Well, very good. Fascinating discussion about where the interior design in automobiles is going. And I want to sh thank Jerry Winslow from InfoKen, Fiona Daskus from Benike Calico, and Klaus Bussi from Chrysler Interior Design Group. Great having you all here. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed the discussion. And please join us again here next week for another edition of AutoLine This Week. Underwriting for AutoLine this week has been provided by... We are IAC Group, a global tier one supplier of vehicle interior solutions that span the rapid, ever-changing needs of today's industry. From interior design and engineering to manufacturing and delivery. IAC, our heritage, your advantage.